Good morning, Upward Family. How is everybody? Good to see y'all today. Everybody well? Enjoying the fall? I know it's not fall yet, but in my mind, it's fall. I see leaves falling. That's fall, right? Uh, so wonderful. Glad to have you here. Love being here in beautiful Henderson County today. It's a great place to be. Many of you are watching online today. Can we welcome our online audience today and just give them a hand? So good to have all of you today. Good to be a part of your lives. We love y'all. We really do. Uh, you're just not an organization to us. You're a family and love y'all so much. Love getting to hang out with y'all. Love getting to talk to y'all. My favorite time of week is before and after on Sundays, even more than the preaching. I love hanging out with y'all. In fact, Greg had to grab me today with a grappling hook and make me come up here this morning. I was almost late because we love hanging out with you guys so very much. Love what God is doing in our midst. Last weekend between Thursday and Sunday, we had 15 people say yes to Christ as their Savior last weekend alone. And that's just amazing and wonderful to see people coming to Jesus. We're in the middle of a series called Follow, and we're learning to follow Jesus one day at a time, one step at a time, because that's what it's all about. It's not about figuring out six months from now. It's about following Jesus today. Can I get an amen? There are people who want to figure this out. And if you're one of them, I'm not knocking you for one minute, so please don't think this. Uh, but some of you are really excited about prophecy and figuring out how and when everything's going to happen. And there is some value in that for sure to understand what God is doing and what's going to happen. But the key for us is not figuring out what's going to happen six months. The key for us is, Jesus, how can I follow you today? Amen. What can I do right now to follow you and to obey you in my life? Life gets very complicated sometimes, and it gets complicated very quickly. Have you ever been in a situation where life was so complicated, you just didn't know what to do next? Have you ever been making decisions and think about, okay, I can do this, and I'll make this people happy, but I'm going to make somebody else mad over here, and you're trying to juggle all that? It's like, I'm going to tick this person off. This person's going to love me. This person's going to hate me. And the problem is the decision you've got to make next week does the opposite, right? Have you ever just been in the middle of complicated situations and you just, you just don't really know what to do? I was in a situation about three weeks ago. I was actually on vacation. I've told you the story. I'll tell it again, that just walking around a lake on vacation, just pondering the future because we're, we're into a new season. I think whether we realize it or not, we as a church are into a new season. God's going to do some great things in our future. And I was just saying, God, Help me with this. Help me to understand this. Help me to know what to do next. And it felt like the weight of everything was just crashing down on me in my prayer life. Anybody ever been there? Your prayer life turned into a worry session. It's not supposed to be that way. But the more you start listing what you're praying about, it's like, oh, Lord, this is more than I thought. God, what am I going to do about this? And what am I going to do about that? And I began to just kind of go off in one direction or another with God. And it's like the Holy Spirit just came down and said, uh, and this is clearly what he said, son, I've got it all planned out. I've got it all worked out. In fact, I'm already at your future. I know the details. I know where you're going to go. I know what I'm going to do through you. I know what I'm going to do in your family. I know what I'm going to do with Upward Christian Fellowship. Imagine that. Imagine that God already knows what's going to happen tomorrow with us. And God said, son, you don't have to figure it out. All you have to do is follow me. And I can't tell you how much simplicity and clarity that brought to my life. That I don't have to worry about keeping everybody happy. 
I just have to follow him. I don't have to worry about all the strategies and how this is going to affect that and how that's going to affect that. It's good to be a strategic thinker, and some of that's a good thing. But what I have to keep in mind is the one thing, the most important thing, is that you and I are just called to follow Christ. I've studied a lot about leadership. I have a couple of master's degrees in leadership because I value leadership highly. But I can never forget, and you can never forget, that Christianity is a lot about becoming a good follower. Just about getting behind Jesus and staying in step with him and what he does each and every day, following him. I prayed about how this series would unfold because I knew that day walking around that lake, I was going to share this with you. And the Lord spoke three words to my heart, listen, obey, and abide. It's just as simple as that. Listen for the voice of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Read his word and hear his voice in his word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Obey what he tells you to do. Do what he says to do. Don't do what he says not to do. Make the amens equal, I guess, in there. Uh, And abide in him and let that be your life. Listen, obey, and abide. How do we do that? How do we walk that out in our daily lives? In Matthew 21, Jesus is in this situation where he, he, he's arrived in Jerusalem, and just in a few days, he's going to be crucified. But I want to show you how quickly things can get complicated. Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey, and the multitudes turn out in the town to praise him and to welcome him as their promised Messiah. They are in the streets throwing down palm branches saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're ascribing messianic titles to him as he comes through the streets. So this is a very significant event in history. Jesus is welcomed into Jerusalem as their king by the multitudes. But to realize how quickly things can turn, just a few short days later, he's being crucified in the same city. That's how fast things can get crazy and complicated. So he makes this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Then he enters into the temple and he finds in God's temple that's to be a house of prayer. There are money changers in there who are cheating the people and turning God's house into just a place of merchandise. And Jesus drives them out of the temple and cleanses the temple. Somebody said it's always good to remember that the same Jesus who loved little children is also capable of flipping tables over He flips the tables. He cleanses the temple. Then he goes out into the streets and he begins to heal sick people. He's opening blinded eyes. He's healing people who can't hear. He's touching people. He's he's making lame people walk. He's healing lepers. He's doing all this stuff in public sight. And this carries on into the next day. Well, the next day the religious leaders come out and they see Jesus healing people. And you would think... Men and women of God would look at people getting healed and say, yay, people are getting healed. But instead of saying, yay, people are getting healed, they're upset because Jesus is developing such a following that their power begins to get threatened. And a sure way to know that you're walking in religion and not Jesus 
is that you're more worried about your power and your position than you are people. Because when you care about people, when you see them getting healed, you could rejoice. But the religious leaders are not rejoicing. In fact, they go to Jesus and said, who gave you the right to do these things? Where do you get your authority? So Jesus asked them a question that absolutely stumps them. He asked, he asked them, where does John the Baptist get his authority? And he puts them in a position to where if they say one thing, they're going to tick off the people. If they say another thing, they're going to actually agree with him. So the religious leader said, we just can't tell you. Jesus had a way of asking questions that they could not answer. Then Jesus follows with a story, and it's that story we're going to look at today in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 28. Listen to the story. Jesus said, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, no, I won't go. Any of you ever had children like that? Don't, don't grab them right now, but... Uh, you ever had a child who just would say, I'm not doing it, not having any of it? Jesus said, yeah, he goes in, wakes his son up. Apparently, it doesn't say that, but I imagine it that way. He's waking him up, son, get up, let's go out into the vineyard. The guy says, no, not doing it, I'm not having it. But here's the good thing. It says, but later, he changed his mind and went anyway. He changed his mind. That's what the Bible calls repentance. He said, I ain't doing it. Sorry for the English teachers. I'm not having it. I'm not getting up. I'm not working in the vineyard. But he changes his mind and does it anyway. Then the father goes to the other son. And he says, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. This is the people pleaser. This is the one who always has a good attitude and a smile on his face and always says, yes, sir, dad, I will go and do it. But the Bible says, but he didn't go they said two different things and they did two different things interesting story then Jesus asked this question verse 31 which of the two obeyed his father and they replied the first absolutely true Jesus is drawing a line for them between a person who says the right things but doesn't do the right things and a person who initially says the wrong thing but repents and actually does the right thing. Jesus is pointing out to the Pharisees who they are in the story. And then he drops a truth bomb on them. Let me just tell you, Jesus was not afraid of cancel culture. He drops a word on them that's probably the most difficult thing he ever said to a bunch of preachers. He says... Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Let that soak in for a minute. Nobody's slapping him on the back after that saying, good sermon, preacher. Everybody's ticked. Here's what Jesus is saying. You guys said yes initially but you didn't mean your yes because your lives don't back up what you said. You're wearing the clothes. You're talking the talk. You're keeping some of the rules, the ones you want to, 
You're even making up your own rules to make you appear holier than other people. You're doing all these things. You're praying really loud and you're going back and you're collecting offerings everywhere you go. But when it comes right down to it, I don't have your heart and you're not truly following me. You said yes, but you're not living out your yes. Then he said there's these other people, namely tax collectors and prostitutes. Let me just tell you how bad they hated tax collectors. Tax collectors were Jews that had turned their back on their own people by going to work for the Romans, the enemies. Not only did they do that, if that wasn't bad enough, they were collecting more than people actually owed and they lived on, they, they stole much of it for themselves. They were getting very wealthy on the backs of their own people. So they were hated not only by the religious leaders but by most people. But Jesus said, they're getting into heaven before you. Then he mentions prostitutes, which was thought of as the lowest of the low. Jesus said, these people came and heard the preaching of John the Baptist, and they actually repented of their lives. They changed their behavior. Their repentance and resulting changed behavior means more than you saying yes and then not doing what I've called you to do. What he's saying here is what you do is more important than what you say. How you live is more important than what you claim to have. Well, this is tough. This passage tells us a couple things. For our day, you may be seeing, Pastor, that, that meant something to the Pharisees. What does it mean in our day? Well, well, it means this. First of all, rebellion with a good attitude is still rebellion. Yes, sir, and not going is rebellion. Now, this is the good news for me and you. Obedience with a bad attitude is still obedience. Can I get a thank God for that? I just got to be honest with y'all. I'm not the most spiritual, holy person in the room here today. Why I'm up here, you'll have to talk to Jesus about that. I often obey with a bad attitude. I often do what God says, gritting my teeth. Okay, Lord, I'll do it, but I'm not happy about it. I think of that as a father. I'd rather my kids obey me with an attitude than say yes to my face and do something else behind my back. Amen. Obedience with a bad attitude is still obedience. I think what this story really is for us today in the modern day in 2023 I think it's a warning against a religious spirit that denies us the fullness of walking in obedience to Jesus. A religious, cultural Christianity that says, come to church, pray the magic prayer, get involved, and then you can go out and do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live and everything's okay. It's a religious spirit that causes us to settle for less than following him. You know, there's that spirit in the world today. Some places you can hear it. Just pray the prayer. Now, we pray a prayer with people. I prayed one Thursday. I've already prayed one this morning with people to receive Christ. And we believe in that or we would not do that. But the religious spirit will tell you that's, 
All you have to do, pray the prayer and you're good to go. Doesn't matter what you do outside of here. What I want to proclaim to you today that I believe this story teaches us that if you have a genuine experience with Jesus Christ and you truly believe in him, it's going to change the way you live out there. There's going to be a difference in the way you live your life if you truly come to Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus never said pray a sinner's prayer. He said, follow me. Jesus never mentions upward Christian fellowship in the Bible. Our membership role is overlooked by him. He never said join the church. Shake the pastor's hand. Jump into a denomination. He said, follow me. And following Christ is not about just saying yes and then putting your life on autopilot. Following Jesus Christ is saying a yes and another yes and another yes and another yes. I've had to say yes to Jesus this week when I didn't want to. It's not about a moment, it's about following him. I went to a funeral some years ago. Now, this is going to stretch some of you, may make some of you mad, but that's okay. That's why you came, right? If you come to church and you don't get stirred up a little bit, you probably hadn't been to church. If the preacher always makes you happy, he's not doing his job. Can I get an amen? All right, all right. You asked for it. You agreed with that. Now, here we go. Went to a funeral some years ago. I, I pastored in community and... Uh, in a small church and everybody knew everybody kind of in the community and a man died in the community that wasn't uh, well thought of uh, he was known to kind of be a less than honest person had a very terrible reputation in the community and people didn't like him and knew that you couldn't do business with him you know anybody like that it's just like steer clear of that person you're going to get cheated and it's going to be a bad experience they're not going to be very nice and everybody in the community kind of knows stay away it's not that you don't love the person you just don't want to do business with the person you understand what I'm talking about well that was this guy in the community and he died and I saw the obituary and I knew some of the family so I thought uh, I'm going to go to this funeral number one to support the family Number two, I want to see what the preacher does with this. <laughs> Forgive me now. I've already told you I'm not the most spiritual in the room, but 